Carlson, now Smith, he scores! Carlson between his own legs to Riley Smith. The Knights take a 4-1 lead. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Now at the other end, a drop pass to Claire. Oh my goodness! A glove saved by Hill! No way! No way! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling along here, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman hanging out for the next hour. First round of the NHL entry draft is going on right now. Connor Bedard, as expected, went number one overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Philadelphia Flyers just selected Matt Vey Michkov, widely considered one of the top prospects in this draft and if there was more clarity just in terms of when Mitchkov would be available to come over it's going to be a little while he is under contract in Russia currently so you're going to have to wait on Mitchkov which makes a lot of sense number one for the Philadelphia Flyers because they are in a rebuild they're in a, a pain period where they're going to have to build themselves back up but by the time this team maybe is ready to take that next step you'll have a young player in Matt Vaymichkov coming in, that could be an impactful player. So that's a, a really solid pick there for the Philadelphia Flyers. And then, you know, you, you kind of look at a couple of different things, and we'll get uh, into the draft a little bit more later on as we go through one-timers. But uh, just keeping you up to date right now with what just happened in the draft, Matt Vaymichkov goes number seven overall to the Philadelphia Flyers. Pretty good pick there for Danny Briere, his first as general manager of Philadelphia. But obviously the big news of the day surrounding the Vegas Golden Knights, it's not necessarily what they're going to be doing at the draft with their draft picks, but what they did a couple of hours prior to the draft kicking off, and that was a big-time trade and a big-time contract extension. For the Vegas Golden Knights, they sent Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a 2024 third-round pick. And it's interesting because the pick that comes back to Vegas for Riley Smith was the one that they sent to Pittsburgh for Teddy Bluger at the trade deadline. And then when that news broke about 10 to 20, 25 to 30 minutes after that, the Golden Knights put pen to paper with Ivan Barbashev, a five-year contract extension, $5 million AAV for Ivan Barbashev. So five years, $25 million. Um, and the first three years there's an eight team no trade list and years four and five a five team no trade list so that's kind of some of the uh the protection in terms of the contract for Ivan Barbashev we talked about this early on in the show today with Darren Millard but I want to bring in Chris Chapman as we all know on this program Chris Chapman speaks for the fans he is a man of the people uh what do you say about uh, certainly the, the Riley Smith trade and the Ivan Barbashev contract extension? Well, there's a couple different ways to, to approach the Riley Smith news. Um, obviously, on a personal level, Riley was a guy I always enjoyed, was always very accommodating, very sarcastic at times, put me in my place a few times, and I, I, I enjoyed that. So from a personal level, I, I, I'm sad to see Riley go. I really liked him. I thought he was a really good player. But from a professional level or from the standpoint of the team needing to make moves in order to try to repeat, I felt like this was, while unexpected, a move like this was necessary because I, I, I felt and I kind of pushed Kelly McCrimmon on it at the end of the season when we talked to him 
about how imperative it was to re-sign Ivan Barbashev. I thought that getting Barbashev re-signed was your number one priority in the offseason. Hmm. I thought the Golden Knights won the trade deadline by acquiring Barbashev. It was the best move any team made. I don't care how big the name was, you know, how many Stanley Cups the guy had won or hadn't won previous to this. It was the move that, that needed to be made. It was the move that solidified the Golden Knights as the best team in the NHL. And look, you look at the way he produced playing with Jonathan Marcheseau and Jack Eichel, I think it's fair to say the Golden Knights don't win the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. without Ivan Barbashev. So I felt it was imperative. Um, sad to see Riley go, but I'm glad that they were able to find a way to bring Barbashev back. Look, Riley, 32 years old, two years left on his contract. Let's be honest. His second half of the season, maybe not the most productive of his of his time here. Um, there were a lot of moments where where he was, um, you know, not on the score sheet. So from that perspective, I felt like Barbashev was an upgrade. And look, if you wanted to re-sign Barbashev, we still don't know the status of Robin Leonard. So as of now, we have to assume that he's going to be on the team next year and that his $5 million is going to count against the cap until we know otherwise. So you don't have a lot of money to play with, so you have to make moves. And, and it hurts, I think, from a fan perspective because Riley, not only an original member, a misfit, but a guy who's pretty well endowed himself in the community, um, you know, obviously the softball game is something that, that he's done here the last few years and it, it's raised money for, for the community and it's been an outstanding event for the community. So I think from that perspective, it, it's sad and it hurts to see him go, but you know, Ryan, I, it, it was a move that, like I said, maybe unexpected, but one that probably had to be made. Yeah, I agree that it had to be made. If you're going to make the, the attempt to, to sign Ivan Barbashev. Like, that's really what it boils down to is you've got a player that fit on your top line that's also incredibly versatile. You can put anywhere in the lineup. So, you know, as we talked about earlier on with Darren, if it's not going well or you're not getting what you want out of Barbashev, Eichel, and Marsha, so there are other options that you have available to you. He's a player, Barbashev, that I think can play with anybody throughout the lineup. And then once you kind of hone in on that chemistry, and it clicks, he opens up so much space for everybody else around him. So that allows Jack Eichel to be his best version. It allows Jonathan Marcheseau to be his best version. And we saw it happen when it's hardest to play in the National Hockey League. You need players like Ivan Barbashev on your team to win Stanley Cups. There's a reason why he's won two of them. The one, the first one that he won, he was a fourth-line center. The, the, the second one that he won, he's a top-line center. If that doesn't give you an idea of the versatility that he has, I don't really know what else will. Now, with all that being said, I think you touched on you know another aspect of it. There's a lot that Riley Smith brings to the table that can't be measured in goals, assists, and points, right? There's the leadership aspect of it. An alternate captain from day one in this organization with the Vegas Golden Knights. The the ability to lay the groundwork from a leadership perspective is important, but when you also look at where Vegas is right now, you have leaders like Alec Martinez, you have William Carlson, who I, I firmly believe is, is a big, big piece of this leadership core for the Golden Knights, Jonathan Marsh. So all of them, it's been very much a by-committee leadership uh, core, and and I don't know that you're going to lose much that way. But you know, you bring up the the community aspect of it, the community angle. Riley Smith has been entrenched in this community, loves Vegas, and 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 certainly wanted to to 
to make that kind of the forefront of, of where he's at right now uh, in terms of his career. And, you know, from that perspective, uh, a day like today is tough because you understand it from a hockey perspective. You know why the Golden Knights make this trade. You end up getting younger. It allows you to give more opportunity of growth for players that are knocking on the door. This gives a great opportunity for Paul Cotter to really make himself an everyday impact player in the National Hockey League. It gives Pavel Dorofiev an opportunity to make the team out of camp, potentially to play with an incredibly responsible center iceman in William Carlson. And, you know, we, we had that call early on after the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. What are the Golden Knights going to do to make sure that they don't turn into a team that peaks and then has to go into a lengthy rebuild? I think finding moments, pockets where you can move on from a player that has given you everything that you have have utilized and he has brought to the table everything you can get from him and then you find a way to get a little bit younger for the same value I think that that's kind of been the the, the the mo for the Golden Knights and you know from that perspective this team this organization they want to win you have to respect that difficult decisions need to be made at times and this is another one of those difficult decisions made by Kelly McCrimmon George McPhee in the hockey operations department well look I mean if there's anything I've learned over the last couple of years with this organization it's that they're going to make moves that may not be popular with the fan yeah. base they're going to make moves where if they have to trade a fan favorite player to get better, they're going to do it. We've seen it with Nate Schmidt. We've seen it with Marc-Andre Fleury. We've seen it in the past with, with other guys. We're now seeing it with, with Riley Smith. I mean, I, 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 I know it could not have been an easy decision for this team to make to have to move Riley Smith because I'm sure on a personal level, Kelly McCrimmon and, and, and George McPhee like Riley Smith, the guy. But from a team and a business aspect, you have to be able to separate that. I'm sure they've liked every player that, that they've had to move. I mean, I, I think it's impossible to have not liked Nate Schmidt. Like, you have to be a horrible person if you don't like Nate Schmidt. So, they're, they're, they're willing to, to, to make those moves. They traded away Alex Tuck for Jack Eichel, and I believe it was George, George Murphy who said, if that, if that gamble didn't work, they wouldn't have jobs. So sure. yeah. so it's it's a risk that they have to take because the ultimate goal here is to now repeat. And if they felt that having Ivan Barbashev gave you a better opportunity to repeat than having Riley Smith, then I think as a fan base, you have to trust these guys because they've proven in the past that they deserve your trust because 15 days ago, they won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So, were, were you surprised at, at some of the discourse after the trade was announced? No, no. I, I, I expected there to be some some anger. You know, I think I think from a fan perspective, it hurts. And, and I read a lot of the comments. And look, Riley, Riley was a guy who was really well-liked in this community. And, and it goes beyond just his play on the ice. You know, I think his son was born here, or I don't know if he has a son or daughter, but his first child was born here. Um, you know, he he established roots here. He he started his family here. He got married as he was as a member of this organization. So I think I'm not surprised. Um, you know, it's it's to be expected. But look, 
in the past, I questioned I questioned the Max Pacioretty move. Oh my God, you gave up Max Pacioretty and you threw in Dylan Coughlin and you got nothing back. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. there's a reason I'm sitting behind a board, pushing buttons and hitting drops, and those mm-hmm. guys are making the big bucks and getting their names engraved on the Stanley Cup. Well, I mean, it, it, it's the same situation, right? You didn't get nothing. You got cap space, and that's going to be the biggest conversation piece that well, we the, have surrounding the other the aspect. Is is that I I I don't know about you, Ryan, but mm-hmm. I was actually pleasantly surprised that they got a third round pick back. I didn't think they would get a third round pick back for Riley Smith. Well, you have value in the player, right? Like you've got Riley Smith on on for two more years at five million dollars, especially a team like Pittsburgh where. I think you've got to fill out the middle of your roster. You just don't have enough pieces supporting the likes of Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby and Jay Gensel. So, like, it makes a lot of sense for them. And, you know, every team wants to trade the player that they feel like would, would, you know, make make everything perfect, right? Like every team wants to play to, to trade the player that has the highest cap hit and is the oldest on the team. Like every t- every fan wants that to be the case, but you need another partner. You need another team that's interested in that. And I think for the Golden Knights, like as you mentioned, the fact that they were able to get compensation back, and you can quibble with whether or not it should have been a second round pick or a third round pick. The the reality of the situation is. If it was a second or third round pick, I, I don't think the likelihood that that pick plays meaningful games in this window of contention is going to change drastically, right? So you get something of value back that you might be able to turn into something else. Don't forget that pick turned into Teddy Bluger, and though Teddy Bluger wasn't in the lineup to win the Stanley Cup, he certainly did help this team win a Stanley Cup. So I I, I like the fact that they were able to get compensation back. I like the fact that they were able to put Riley Smith in a really good spot because we're hearing, at least early on, that Mike Sullivan addressed the media at the draft, that Riley Smith is likely going to pencil in next to Evgeny Malkin. Like, that's huge. That's big. That's a good spot to land in for the player. And then, you know, you you factor in that the Golden Knights found a player in Ivan Barbashev that speaks to the identity of their new coach and their new coach that just won a Stanley Cup and is going to be here for a while. So I, I look at it all the way around, and, and it just it makes a lot of sense to me. It allows the Golden Knights now to make uh, to, to make headway on their restricted free agents. Brett Howden, you've got to get a new contract done. Pavel Dorofiev, you've got to get a new contract done. What does it look like for Aiden Hill? There were reports over the weekend. I haven't really heard very much since then. So what does that look like? Those are all all things that need to happen and kind of tying it all back to my initial point is you look at the deal last year, Max Pacioretty goes to Carolina and you know, everyone was talking about future considerations, future considerations. The Golden Knights got cap space. The Golden Knights got an ability to re-sign Riley Smith to a three-year, $5 million AAV contract. Riley Smith scored the cup clinching goal for the Vegas Golden Knights. The last goal that Riley Smith scored for the Vegas Golden Knights happened to be the goal that holds up as the game winner in the Stanley Cup championship game. So all of that being said, that's what they get. You have the ability to re-sign Smith. You have the ability to, to go in and get some deals done with restricted free agents in that moment. And those RFAs took on more role and a bigger sense of purpose for this team. And it ultimately leads to a Stanley Cup. So you know what? If you're moving salary to 
to sign players that can be impactful for you and keep this window open. That's simply what you need to do because this is an organization committed to winning. Players respect that, and that's why there are always going to be players that want to come to Las Vegas to play for the Golden Knights because everybody knows what the objective is here. There's no gray area. It is win. And that's what we've been heralding the Golden Knights for in the last 14 days after they won the Stanley Cup. So it would be disingenuous in this moment to sit here and say that the Golden Knights made a Golden Knights transaction and therefore it, it is out of, out of left field. It's not. This is how the Golden Knights built a championship winning team. Yeah, you, everything you said is spot on, Ryan. You know, we can sit here and be unhappy that they move player A or player B. But at the end of the day, all that really matters is what happened 15 days ago. Yeah, like, like, absolutely. Like, I mean, we, we, we as a as a fan base, you could say, "Oh, well, well, it hurt when they traded Mark Andre Fleury." I can't believe they did it, right? I don't think this team wins a Stanley Cup with Mark Andre Fleury in net. Mm-hmm. And and I know people will say I'm absolutely crazy that well they won with with Aiden Hill. Why wouldn't they win it with Mark Andre Fleury? I just don't think Mark Andre Fleury would have fit the system that they were running. Aiden Hill fits that mold. He fits what they want to do. If Robin Leonard happens to come back next year, I think Robin Leonard fits the system of what Bruce yeah. Cassidy wants to do. Like, like I don't, and, and, and obviously a lot would depend on health, but if, mm. I mean, I'm just throwing it, this out there, but if Robin Leonard plays next year and Robin Leonard is healthy, yeah, I think Robin Leonard is a Vezina Trophy finalist. I think he's it, that good in this system. It's possible. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. So we'll see kind of how things shake out. But again, for me, you you start to understand how the Golden Knights go about building a team. You start to understand how the Golden Knights go about extending the window. And Mike, if you're listening, this is a, a, a clear indication of what the Golden Knights are attempting to do to keep themselves competitive, not just next year or two years from now, but three, four, five years down the road. Let's actually uh, roll tape on Kelly McCrimmon as he addressed the media earlier today about the trade of Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins and the subsequent contract extension for Ivan Barbashev. Uh, Good afternoon. Uh, Welcome to the media as we prepare for uh, round one tonight of the entry draft. uh, We made a trade today, trading Riley Smith to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third round pick in 2024. I'd like to thank Riley for his uh, time in Vegas. He's one of the original players that we selected in expansion, a six-year player where uh, proud that he leaves the Stanley Cup champion. I know that he is going to get a good opportunity in Pittsburgh. I know that he will do well. Our objective has been to uh, try to keep uh, as much of our roster together as we can. I made the comment when I did year-end media that I think we'll be able to return uh, our team almost intact, which is pretty uncommon for a Stanley Cup winner. Um, we have some free agents uh, of our own that we uh, are working on, uh, you know, Ivan Barbashev being one of those players who uh, we signed to a contract today. Uh, we think this will give us the ability to pretty much return our team uh, in whole. So that was our objective as we went into free agency. Unfortunately, uh, to get there, uh, we moved Riley to, uh, to Pittsburgh to facilitate some of the other moves that we want to make. Uh, we were not looking to bring anyone, out, anyone in 
from outside our organization. All of the uh, decisions that we were making were on uh, people that we just won a Stanley Cup with. So, uh, you know, by definition, that makes those decisions difficult and challenging uh, to make. But uh, we uh, uh, we feel that we uh, got our way through it and, and uh, are excited about what uh, what it could mean for the makeup of our roster. I'll take any questions. Hi, Kelly, Jesse Granger at The Athletic. Um, you mentioned how tough the decision is in between going between Ivan and, and Riley. What ended up being the deciding factor? Well, it's not between Ivan and Riley. We've got other uh, free agents as well. Everything intertwines, and uh, there's different ways that you can get to uh, 83-5. So uh, internally, we never uh, made it a decision about uh, one versus the other. I think what we uh, did talk a lot about was... Uh, uh, Barbashev's impact uh, on our roster when we acquired him from uh, St. Louis, his ability to uh, fit in so seamlessly with uh, with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault to give us uh, a really good top line. And, uh, uh, you know, I made the comment when we acquired uh, Ivan on March, uh, or late February, early March, that we've been looking for a player like this for some time. He's uh, in the prime of his career. We, uh, you know, gave up a good young player to acquire him. He came in. He played extremely well. Uh, we won a Stanley Cup. He was a big part of that. We wanted to. Uh, we wanted to keep him. So that's uh, that's, uh, you know, that's where the conversation began. And then from there, you start to go through your different ways of uh, of addressing uh, your salary cap and getting uh, getting it to where it needs to be. Kelly, hey, Bill Price, NHL.com. You guys won the cup about two weeks ago. When do you go from cup mode to where you you know you start the ball rolling on this sort of trade and, and signing with Ivan? Uh, we won the cup on uh, Tuesday, uh, 15 days ago, I guess. Um, Wednesday, I went into the office for a couple of hours where really all we did was reminisce about the night before. Uh, you know, from Thursday on, we've been working in preparation for the draft. From Thursday on, we've been working uh, in uh, discussions with our pro staff on, uh, you know, the decisions that we had to make on, on the roster of the big team. Uh, we've hired uh, a coach, uh, Ryan Craig, for our American League affiliate in Henderson. So there's not uh, a lot of time uh, in the NHL after you win the Stanley Cup to put your feet up because you're... Uh, you know, in a good way, you're behind 31 other teams or 30 other teams that have been busy on all of these uh, important dates and important uh, events uh, for some time. But uh, it's a problem any of us would happily uh, have, and we'll get some time to uh, reflect and enjoy it uh, a little bit more, you know, once we get through this uh, extremely busy part of our season. Hi, Kelly. Uh, Dan Kingerski, Vegas Hockey Now. Your other big name free agent, Aiden Hill, there were some reports that he was close to uh, an extension with you. Optimism that gets done pretty quickly. How would you categorize those talks? We've been in discussion with Aiden and his representatives. They are uh, working really hard to uh, you know, make this happen, to, to help him remain uh, a golden knight. It's one of the things that we still have to uh, continue to work at to, uh, to see where we, where we finish with, uh, with his status on our team. Kelly, that Josh Clifford with Canadian Press. I know you want to keep your group together, but just looking at the at the UFA market in general, where do you, what do you see? They're not the big names that they usually are, and do these sort of dates like like July first and the trade deadline? Are they starting to lose a bit of their luster just because of the flat cap, and it's so hard to 
make moves? Well, we've been living with the, the flat cap for a while. And, you know, as, as you went through the pandemic and the, the salary cap was flat, to me, it took a while for even teams, fans, and media to really understand what the ramifications of the flat cap are. And, you know, last year to start the season, there was 19 teams uh, in LTIR. When you have restricted free agents, which was the challenge we faced a year ago, we had a number of really good young players that have gone on to be important players on our team this year as we, as we won. They've earned more money, but there is no more money. So, so it, it just creates more and more of a squeeze. The trades that have been made this week, four years ago, you, you wouldn't have ever considered that some of the players that have changed hands for the price they've changed hands for. But that's where, you know, that's where, you know, understanding what the value of the cap space actually is uh, comes into play. So long-winded answer, but to get to your direct question, July 1st, there's going to be a lot of teams that don't have money to spend. So does that take some of the sizzle out of July 1st from the standpoint of a fan or, or a person in the media? Uh, perhaps it does. But it's, it's just the reality that we deal with. It's not anyone's fault. It's just uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's where teams are at uh, financially. When you say there isn't a real attractive free agent market and ask how that affects our team, we're only interested in the free agents in our own organization. And fortunately, we think we have a, a couple real good ones. So that's been our focus. Uh, you know, past that, we wouldn't have... We wouldn't have changed our mix to bring in an outsider because we just had, you know, a championship together. So we, we wouldn't, uh, uh, we wouldn't have been in that market, uh, is what I would say to you. Kelly, you've mentioned over the years you're always looking to improve the team. I'm curious, does winning a championship change the way you you feel about this off season or the way the mentality going into it at all? Well, winning a championship doesn't uh, doesn't change that, uh, Jesse. Um, you know where your team is at dictates to some extent what your next moves uh, will be or or could be or you need to decide uh, based on uh, where you're at. So contractually, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we had all the RFAs last summer. So you know we're not at risk of an offer sheet. You know we're we're. You know, we're buttoned down in terms of uh, the number of players we've got returning on contract. We've got some UFA decisions to make. We've got one RFA in uh, in Brett Howden. Our our goal, our focus is always to improve our team. But right now, we're you know really committed contract wise, and and I say that as a positive. Uh, we're you know we're committed contract wise here uh, for next year. And you know if if you like your team as we do, that's a good thing. That was Kelly McCrimmon earlier today as he addressed the media prior to the NHL entry draft to discuss the trade of Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a 2024 third-round pick. It was actually the pick the Golden Knights sent to the Penguins for Teddy Bluger at the trade deadline. That pick comes back to Vegas, so uh, a pretty interesting one there. And then the subsequent contract extension, five years 
$5 million AAV for Ivan Barbashev. And I think, uh, you know, for me, like the one thing that I'm pulling out of that from, from Kelly McCrimmon, there's a lot there, right? But uh, the one thing that I'm pulling out from, from there is that uh, they're not necessarily interested in what the, the rest of the market is going to look like from a free agent perspective. They are focused in on their guys. We, we've talked about it. It's Brett Howden, and it's Pavel Dorofia of restricted free agents that you're looking to bring back and you want to take a big step forward with. Uh, and the same thing can be said for Aiden Hill, right? Like McCrimmon addressed it. The, the hope, I, I think, right now is that you're able to bring Hill back. He's the goaltender that won a Stanley Cup for you. Um, like I just I look at this as as a very confident Kelly McCrimmon in the team that was on the ice last year, the team that he has built, and the belief that that team can go into next season and get it done again as they get another year better together. Well, it's it's a lot different than his end of the season presser last year, right? Like when he he said that he didn't feel that what they achieved in year one with those particular players was sustainable. It sounds like he believes that this core group of players that they've brought in and the success that they've achieved is sustainable. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to be out there always looking to make the team better. I mean, it's pretty clear that this team will always look to get better, and they have an owner who's willing to back them to make this team get better. So it's a really good spot for Vegas to be in because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that they're telling, hey, look, we'd love to have you. We just don't have the ability to bring you in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of guys, when, when you hear them who come in from the outside, they always talk about the atmosphere in the, in the rink, and they, they're, they're surprised. Like, like, but this is, a, this is a destination market. This is a market where people want to be, not because Vegas is cool. I mean, look, Vegas is cooler than a lot of other cities in the NHL, but it's the fact that the players are made to... They, they 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 get treated like they want to be treated when they come here. It's a first class organization, and look, it, it, and and one of the first things you, you heard was was the way that that Kelly talked about Riley Smith and what a difficult decision it was, and how how much they think he's going to help Pittsburgh. But it was a decision that you know is unpopular it may, as it may be with the fan base. You, you and Kelly said you know you didn't have to pick and choose between Riley Smith and Ivan Barbashev. I think the cap kind of forced you to have to make a decision, and the decision was, in order to re-sign Ivan Barbashev, we had to move out salary, and it turned out that Riley Smith was the guy who was who was on the end of that move. Well, it, again, it, it's kind of like you can't look at it in a vacuum as a one-for-one situation, because if the Golden Knights are able to get a deal done with Aiden Hill, and they're able to make sure that they've got Brett Howden coming back, Pavel Dorofiev coming back, they take care of the free agents in the organization that they want to take care of, then it, it isn't one for one. It isn't Riley Smith for Ivan Barbashev. I, no, I know that the numbers are tidy and easy, but that's not necessarily the case. You have to make a determination between what's best for the team overall, and when you, when you factor in a bigger role potentially for the likes of Paul Cotter or a legitimate chance for Pavel Dorofiev or perhaps if Brendan Brisson impresses in training camp, there's an opportunity to crack the lineup and you get some experience. You get to see where everything goes from that perspective. It gives options to younger players to come in and be impactful. And as much as we look at the Golden Knights and how they're built, Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, Nick Wad down the middle... Mark Stone on the wing, like the, the, Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, like you need those mainstays, but you also need young guys filling 
in around the the edges on the roster. That's how you sustain your excellence. That's how the Tampa Bay Lightning went to three Stanley Cup finals because they had guys to backfill, and the Golden Knights organizationally seven years in are in a position to do that. Well, it's it's um, I lost lost my train of thought here. I'm looking at the. Uh the pick of the Arizona Coyotes, and I'm just mesmerized that everybody in Arizona is all wearing the same exact suit. So mm. I, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. But, um, you know, last year we we knew who Paul Cotter was coming in the training camp because he had played uh, the year before. He had scored a few goals. Obviously, we, we got some fun with him with the fedora, which we still have no idea if it's been found. But I feel like Pavel Dorfeyev is in a similar situation heading into camp this year. As to what Paul Cotter was last year, he's he's a guy who had an opportunity to play a little bit. He was part of the Black Aces, so he's got that experience. He was able to extend his season a little bit more, get some more training and seasoning and practice under his belt. I think he's he's the guy that you have to keep an eye on to to maybe be a, a guy who makes the opening night roster. I mean, look, he 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 was there almost by default two years ago. If he sure. gets there this year, it will be on merit and because he earned it. And and I've been excited about him since since they drafted him. I, I enjoyed watching him in Henderson. I think he's been really good in his opportunities with the Golden Knights. He's the guy I, I've got my eye on as as being someone to step in and maybe maybe take a, a, a roster spot and be one of the top twelve skaters on opening night. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out for the Golden Knights, but a plan is certainly there for Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, and the entire front office. And Chapman, I, I know this might be a little strange and a little awkward, but we have something to give away right now, and given the news of the day, that's kind of where I'm heading. But if you want to go to Battle for Vegas, the charity softball game on July 22nd, that, to my knowledge at this moment, will still feature Riley Smith, be caller number seven. 702-876-1340 is the number. Caller number seven. You're going to battle for Vegas. One-timers coming up next. Carlson left corner. Centered. One-timer score. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. One-timers. News and notes from around the NHL. NHL entry draft taking place right now. Connor Bedard goes number one overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Chapman, I, I don't think there's an event on the calendar in the National Hockey League that makes me feel older than the NHL entry draft. Like, every year, the kids get younger. I mean, they're, they're not younger. They're 18 years old. They're coming into the league at the right time. But it just makes me aware of how old I am. This is a quote from Connor Bedard after being selected to the Chicago Blackhawks. Growing up, Connor Bedard, growing up, that was when they, the Blackhawks, were going on their runs, winning cups, and I was watching a lot of them. You see the United Center going crazy and all of Chicago getting behind them. I really can't put it into words. I was an adult! I was a whole adult when Chicago was winning Stanley Cups. I, I cannot fathom the idea that Connor Bedard, who's going to be in the NHL next year, who's going to be, we expect, a big star. His growing up, his era, was like 2010. 
through 2015, I've never felt older than I do in this moment right now. Well, I got news for you, Ryan. Yeah. It gets worse because now they show these players, they hug their mom and dad. I'm at the point in my life where I'm probably older than mom and dad. Like, they show some of the players, and I'm like, oh, they're definitely younger than me. Like, I don't know how, how old Paul Cotter's mom is. I met her at, at when they won, you know, on the ice after they won the Stanley Cup. I'm convinced I'm older than Paul Cotter's mom. So, like, there there's there's that aspect where I'm like, oh, wow. Not only am, am I, I mean, I'm way past being older than the players. I'm now at the point where I'm older than their parents. That's not a good feeling. Like, when I think about things like this, the Devils won the Stanley Cup the, la- the last time in 2003. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. I was young. I was vibrant. I had a full head of hair. Yeah, yeah. I was, Speaking I of was being... a good-looking guy. I, I, didn't, I could yeah. stay out yeah. and party all night. Now I, I it you. hurts to wake up in the morning. Speaking of um, moments where you're aware of how old you are, I still remember watching the Mighty Ducks for the first time. Not the team. The, the movie. movie, yes. Yeah, I still remember that. And and I'll revisit it every single time. I, I don't understand why we, like, glorify Gordon Bombay. He's kind of a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, not, not a, a not big a Gordon. Good dude, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, not a, I'm not a big Gordon Bombay guy. It, it gets even worse in quack, D2. Quack, 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 quack. But there's redemption for him in, in D3, right? Like the, the Miami Waves. I'm a big fan of the Florida Panthers uh, with a nod to the Miami Waves in their uh, in the reverse retros this year. But it's the 30th anniversary for the Anaheim Ducks. And even though they're not the Mighty Ducks anymore, they're throwing it back with a special 30th anniversary jersey. It's teal. It's burgundy. It's not the logo we wanted. At least when I say we, I mean me. It's not the logo that I wanted, the iconic Anaheim Duck, Mighty Duck logo, but it is a very cartoon version of Wild Wings mask, and it's the colors of my youth back on a jersey. I'm so in love with these. Yeah, I like them a lot, but I'm going to nitpick here. Okay. On the crest. Yeah. They still have the stupid web foot on the crest. I don't like that. Get rid of it. First of I, all, it's an it's an awful logo, and I understand it it's it's it it looks like a comet. It doesn't look like a duck's foot. It looks like a comet. Get rid of it. Well, by, by the way, speaking of of just to just to give you an idea, I saw the Mighty Ducks in the movie theaters. I was in eighth grade when it came out. Do you want to know how old I was? <laughs> you were probably like. The first time you saw it, I'm guessing you were probably like 12 or 13, so it was sometime in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s? No, it was 93. Okay. But how, yeah. so how old were you, like seven? Yes. Yes. Man. Yes. I, That's I, what I'm saying. I, like, you know, the, the, the thing is, you and me are at the age where even if we had gone to elementary school together, we never would have been in the same school at the same time. Like, I'm that much older right. than you. And it hurts. Right, exactly. it, 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 it makes me feel really, really old. I love the jerseys. I like um, the jerseys, they, too. The video is a bit dark. There's a couple of pictures of, of these jerseys like in, in actual daylight, and they look much better than the, the darkened, dramatic lighting, mood lighting uh, videos that, that have surfaced. Again, 
I'm hopeful that one day we're going to get out of our own way here and we're going to bring back the original logo. I'm hopeful that one day we're going to bring back the burgundy and teal. We're going to have those or maroon if you want to get the technical about it. Like I want this color scheme back on Anaheim. I want this team to lean heavily into the Mighty Ducks again because I, it, it's my childhood. And you know what? As I get older, I want things to comfort me. And I'm, 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 I'm excited at the fact that this jersey in a small way will comfort me. Uh, and then let's let's go to one more piece of news. And it's not really news. Um, it's, I, I guess, like the only memeable slash viral moment so far of the draft. Like there have been some surprises here and there, but really not much that, that's kind of taken you um, – taken you by surprise except for when the Montreal Canadiens selected David Reinbacker number five overall first defenseman taken uh it, it was a cool moment because you, you bring in Carey Price right Carey Price up on the stage he goes to say the name of the draft pick he gets David out and did not remember the last name uh, Chapman have you ever been in a moment where that's happened to you, where you've had all this kind of build up, this moment, everyone's looking to you to say something. You know what you got to say? It just escapes you. It evades you in the moment. Yes, I, I have. I mean, th that's the great thing about doing the job that we do. There's moments where you open your mic and turn it on and you forget what you wanted to say. And you just stand there like, uh, uh, somebody, somebody help me out here, please. <laughs> so I can, I can sympathize with with Carrie Price who I think is is I think the world of the guy but like mm -hmm. it's it's one of those moments where you're just like oh no you, you you feel for the guy because I think it's not just this this particular job I mean it happens to me in this job but I think people in general they they have that moment maybe they're in a job interview and someone asked them a question and they they prepare and then all of a sudden they get a question that they're not expecting and they're like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's happened to me once. Yeah, I, I, I know that. That's 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 a that's a bad feeling. Yeah, it's absolutely brutal. So uh, definitely empathy there for Carey Price. Uh, I think he handled it well. Obviously, just kind of looking around. Somebody save me here. But uh, you know, good on on David Reinbacher for uh, being selected. And it's it's a memorable one. You're I think the highest drafted that. Austrian player ever. Uh, I I'll check on that. I'm not I'm not 100% certain on that, but with uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll kind of go into the archives on that one. Those are your one timers for today, Wednesday, June 28th. Catching up with Chapman is next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for catching up with Chapman. You know, Ryan, I am going to be taking a victory lap on this show. Not so much. In your direction, mm, okay. but in Johnny Blue Checkmark's direction, last mm. week when you you had uh, you had you had to take the show off, yep. me and him had a discussion about how my dream was to participate in the Olympics when I was okay. growing up. I wanted to run in the Olympics, so I told him that my times in my event, the 400 meters, were on. If I put my best times out there, I would beat some guys who were Olympians. Now he okay. called he called me out on it and said there's no way impossible. Well today the piper is coming home to collect his pay. I've been able to find a published time of mine that does in fact beat two people who were Olympians, one in 2020 and one in 2008. I will take that victory lap. I'm sure he won't acknowledge it, but I'm definitely going to remind him. I will tweet it out 
prove to the world that I was not lying. I was telling the truth. And Ryan, it's going to feel good. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. When when was this published time for you? 1996. I found it from the Ocean County Championships. I took second. So in 1996, you were better than an Olympian from the future with all the advancements well, he, in training? He gave me he gave me a time frame. He said between 1988 and 2020. Okay. Yeah. And that was my published that, time. That's not my yeah. best time. My best time I couldn't find. But my best time, look, I'm not saying I would have won a medal. I just wouldn't have finished last. Next to last. Uh, you're a champion in my book. Hey, that's all, I, that's all that matters, man. We're back with you tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show. Good night.